Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod. The podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Tennis is back. Isn't that what's important right now? Damn it. Tennis is back in Palermo or something. Are you excited, Noah Rubin? Are you (laughs) effing excited right now? About Palermo? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. That was really convincing. Um, let's, let's, so, yeah. let's, let's, uh, let's start by also just congratulating the hell out of the New York empire. <laughs> yeah. Congrats. No. It, it, and, and Liam Brody for it, winning whatever he won at the battle of the Brits. Did you see him? Oh, did yeah, you see what? him give the middle finger to Andy Murray on the British broadcasting corporation? I, <laughs> I did not. I did not see that. But why? Was that considered world team tennis? Was that part of it? I always I tried to look it up. I didn't no, get no. That was their it. own. It thing. was just the idea. Yeah, the, the, but they called it like world team right, tennis. Right. Same um, basic principle. Judy Murray's been involved gotcha. with world team tennis before, right, obviously, right, right. and so they just. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, but yeah, Liam Brody. Yeah, I mean, he, I guess... he did one of these right at Andy Murray, live mm. on BBC. I mean. There should be an award for that. If there's not, we have to be working on that. I'm just proud of him. We're, we are we are in the process of trying to get him on the show for next week uh, to talk about what yeah. happened over there. Not necessarily the middle finger. That was your neck that just cracked. <laughs> that was disgusting. Um, but yeah, so that's I, I. I let me just say before we do the formal introductions of me and you here, the one person I'm actually yeah. really happy for here is Neil Skupski. Uh, mm. Neil Skupski, great guy, great guy, double specialist. If you don't know him, Brit, he is so into world team tennis, like genuinely believes Just, in it. Um, yep. and so was that your girlfriend, Jamie, uh, in the background? Did I just hear that? No, a neighbor, okay. sadly. Yeah. Um, 
back. Yeah, yeah. we did catch that too. Um, he's, <laughs> he's so passionate about world team tennis. I had a long talk with him in January at the Australian open about it. Uh, when I thought I was going to be a part of it as well. And he wins the, the world team tennis, the Billie Jean King trophy, uh, Jack Sock, Kim Kleisters, Coco Vandeweghe got traded onto that team at the very end. I, I don't remember who else is part of that team. Um, but I, I, I'm yeah, I genuinely mean, happy for Neil because he cares so deeply about world team tennis and, um, I'm, I'm happy for that guy. Yeah. I mean, all, all kidding aside, I mean, we can nitpick all day long and we usually do, uh, but you know, regardless of having a tournament before or after or how easy or tough it was, I mean, it was a pretty successful run for world team tennis. I mean, you know, they, they played the hammer down um, when they needed yeah. to, and, you know, it seemed pretty good. I mean, you know, we don't really know the repercussions of it, but for the most part with athletes testing positive, seems successful. You know, you have to pat them on the back for, for that effort. I mean, is this something that can last no because there are no tournaments right now so they can quarantine before and after and they can you know not have to worry about that but it was successful and yeah you have to give it to them there's very few sporting events where that takes place from start to finish and this was a a long process and you know good for them yeah i i think they deserve a ton of credit i i still don't feel necessarily comfortable about having fans in place um and no. we don't necessarily know the repercussions there but in terms of having right. all of the players healthy, uh, all the officials healthy, um, well done. Um, and, and, and as you mentioned, when, when Danielle Collins, you know, left and, and didn't, you know, just without reporting and, and all of that, it's, she got dealt with um, and it was how it had to be. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I think they deserve a ton of credit and good for them. The, the thing that I'm nervous about they they were able to essentially kind of create their bubble right right not necessarily i mean the fans aspect is is one thing but they were able to create their bubble that's the real question going forward isn't it for tennis um how do you possibly do that big picture wise in an international sport um but let's before we get to that how are you yes we didn't do a show officially last week so um how yeah. are you I'm good. I'm 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 pretty good. Again, it's uh it's kind of an everyday battle between what I can and cannot control. Yep. And I think that seems to be the overwhelming culture of what we're in right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that are out of our control and you know, I can train and I can do this and that, but you know, when if there's no tournaments, there's no tournaments. You know, I'm doing what I can, but um when there's not something to really look forward to and you can hope for a wild card to X, Y, and Z, but you know that's only going to get you into two tournaments. You know, where what else is there for the rest of the year? You you have stuff on the schedule, but you can't be too hopeful about seeing you know Carrie and all these other ones. And and believe me, I wish, I wish we knew that this was happening because you know you and I have loved that spot mm -hmm. and we would love to be back. But you're looking at that and you're like, how does, how does that take place? You know, <laughs> how does that move forward? How does that have enough money to actually take the right um, precautions need be, whether that is creating their own bubble. Um, but, and we know anything under even an ATP 500 kind of gets left to the side, but when it comes to health, you can't do it. And that's where cancellations come in. So it, it worries me and I lose motivation here and there, but I'm still enjoying some of the things I get to do 
teaching select lessons and obviously moving behind the racket forward, which has been great, but I'm missing, I'm missing the tennis. I'm missing the competition. Um, you know, I'm watching world team tennis and I, I find myself so spiteful, you know, I'm like, Oh, these guys get to play and are competitive or having fun and, and constantly. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm practicing again. You know, it's been six months and this is the first time that I'm healthy. Like it was fun. It was fine for the first few months being healthy, um, out of the tour where nothing's happening, you can enjoy it. But then after that, it's like, I, I got to do what I have to do. You know, what I was, what I think I was born to do at times. Not really. That was like no. a, a okay. three minute answer, uh, just, to, to how are you? How are you? They, they hold different weight nowadays. You can't, you can't expect me to say great. You know, it rained a little bit today. <laughs> you have a fucking mohawk. How are you's are not how are you's anymore. <laughs> how are you? Well, it started when I was four. Well, <laughs> it was a warm summer evening. All right. You, I mean, you, Brisk you, us, you got into some of what we were going to talk about today. Um, let me, let me do our Patreon supporters. If you don't mind, I know you've got, you'll, you yeah. can do our last one. If you don't mind, uh, somebody you, you, you know as well, but, um, uh, thank you to our new Patreon supporters. You can support us at patreon.com slash behind the racket pod. Thank you to Steve quick and Cheryl Harris, uh, with us not doing a show last week. We didn't get to thank you, but thank you to both of you, uh, Steve and Cheryl really appreciate it. Um, and then Jeremy, I'm going to absolutely butcher your last name and my apologies. He works at the U S open says he, uh, uh, you know, might have interacted with both of us at some point at the U.S. Open. But uh, Jeremy Kafakis, thank you so much for your uh, sponsorship as well. Noah? Yes, and also Klein Sack. Thank you so much, somebody that is generous enough to host me during the U.S. Men's Clay Championships. He was with me during some really rough times. I know you remember me falling on my wrist yeah. after when playing Nicholas Kicker, a name blast from the past there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thank you, Klein Sack, and yeah, Nicholas Kicker. Where is he? Banned from the sport. Yes, that's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where Stop. he is. <laughs> right. Apologies yes. to the Kicker family. Right. Uh, I liked him too. I, I like that guy. Uh, yeah, but, he was super nice, yeah. and yeah, <laughs> it's a shame. <laughs> shame about that whole thing. Uh, that, thanks, Noah. No, no money in tennis. Okay, keep. Going. Um, okay, so obviously tennis is indeed back. Um, taking out the exhibition season that we've had for the last couple of months. Um, we do have the WTA getting started this week. Um, it appears that the U.S. Open is a go uh, in a few weeks. The official entry lists should theoretically, we're releasing this Monday morning, should come out same day. Um, we'll start to see who's coming, who's not. We've already heard of a few high-profile ones, most notably Ash Barty. Um, and, and Nick Kyrgios, specifically from Australia. Um, Nick with a very uh, well-thought-out speech. Yeah. Um, yeah. Put it, I think that's the best way I can put it, is well-thought-out in terms of not only explaining why he was not coming, but also taking some shots um, at some, some yeah. people, um, which is his... That's, that's who he is, and that's what he's going to do. So I, yeah. I, can't, I can't fault him for that. Um, I, I, I don't, I, we talked about this a few months ago. Where do you think the cutoff is going to be for, for the entry? Where, where do you think it'll actually fall to? I'm saying initial entry. So where yes. the list is tomorrow, yeah. my best guess will be like 138. And that seems pretty 
That's pushing it a little bit, but I, I, that's possible. Because so you're saying you lose qualifiers. How many? How many wild cards does the US have? Eight. We have eight, but yes, so we have eight. So it's one twenty. One twenty, and then the eight wild cards. So one twenty is theoretically where it would be. I'm so you think it's going to initially be one thirty eight? <sighs> no, that's pot. Yeah, somewhere around there. It could be. It could be right around. Honestly, it could be right around like 125 and then just completely drop. Yeah. I mean, that's something that can definitely happen. Um, those last minute ones, especially with travel right now. What about you? I think it'll be, I think it'll be 130 tomorrow and I think it's okay. going to fall to 150. Okay. Yeah. That's, that sounds about right. Um, I know people, and I said that I said final would be 145, 150 and people said, you're crazy. And I'm like, you're putting in people that are injured, not able to come not willing to come all of this it's that it makes sense it just makes sense um so we'll see i mean we're gonna find out the initial one tomorrow obviously we're doing this podcast right now on a sunday we put out on a monday so we will be seeing it when you guys see it but um for you looking at the way the schedule is lined up and obviously we spoke about world team tennis it created its own bubble mm-hmm and we go back to this again, and I know the U.S. Open's working really hard, but you have a tournament like that where you have people coming from exhibitions to now the U.S. Open or Palermo to the U.S. Open and then to French Open. Is Should we be doing this right now? Yes. Uh, I, I, I don't I don't know. Let me let me ask. I'm going to I'm going to answer your question by via this way with a question yeah. <laughs> how much money have you received from the atp wta over the last six months we've gotten just the first relief fund and should be getting the second one soon okay so you have gotten some yeah then i i think i mean it's it's not it's not livable right sure um, of course you know not. you have wimbledon one would hopefully be ideal as well and those but yeah i mean i'm looking at this and obviously i'm a new yorker so it's a different perspective but I mean, if I somehow miraculously steal a wild card, if you guys are listening, um, <laughs> that's like that's money that's that's needed. I sure. mean, that, that for anybody it's needed. And you know, obviously, I'm looking at other players at the top, and they're making their educated decisions. I'm not saying they're the wrong ones, but they do have the freedom right. to make these decisions, and that's kind of where you're at as well. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I. 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 The answer is probably not. Pro- I mean, in, in an ideal world, pro- we probably shouldn't be playing it because of the fact it's so international and you can't quite have that bubble that, that has made basketball successful, um, soccer over in Europe. You can't really have that bubble. That being said, I, I know that the USTA is doing everything in their, you know, it, to, to, to make it so that Cincinnati and New York, Cincinnati and the Open are a bubble. And so I think they are working really hard to do that. I think I, I let me just say, I, I get concerned. Okay, yeah. I get concerned about the idea of what happens post open. Like I know that that's three weeks you can commit to, right? For, for the idea of a bubble, health, safety, everything's fine there. I get concerned once you start moving from place to place to place to place to place. And I don't know how that is successful I also have to assume 
I don't know what they are, but I have to assume there are protocols amongst the ATP, USTA, and WTA right now, and then also the French Federation for what happens when one person tests positive, three people take po test positive. I, I understand a qualifier tested positive in, in Palermo um, this weekend. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's what I'm curious about once you have more and more people testing positive, how that goes forward. Yeah, no, that was that was basically my question and and something I've spoken about. I don't know if you harped on it or let me and you let me harp on it was this idea that can we forget about the US Open in French? Let them do what they want to do. You know, if they can put in the money to make it safe and hopefully take the precautions necessary, which I'm worried about the French a little bit. I'll, I'll be honest right now. I haven't really heard much about their safety precautions yeah. but at the same time should we be canceling the rest of the season after this should we have the year-end tournament where we have the eight guys after u.s open and french and those are the eight guys and eight girls and we're playing the year-end finals but the rest we give time and this is you know it's a tough question for both of us i need the challengers i want to play money i, I want points you want to be a part of it as well is this the time to kind of rebuild? Should we not even waste our time by trying to put on these events? You can't Where's rebuild now. You can't rebuild now. That time has passed. That okay. that time has passed. Um, where we are, okay. regardless of whether you and I think that's right or wrong and what should have been done over the last six months, you've been very big uh, on okay. that I idea specifically. It's, that time has passed. We're, we're past it now. Okay. We, can't, we can't just stop right now un un unless... You have seven, eight, nine, ten players who get sick at, at the open, something like that. Then you know that's that's a completely different story. I think the big concern I have, and it's something you touched on when I just asked how you were doing. Um, by the way, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> the 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 part you talked about that you touched on in there is the challengers, um, the ITFs. Um, where, how are we going to make sure that there's still that opportunity for players at lower levels? Uh, I, I would say it is drastically unfair for, you know, if you talk, talk about this next six months, let's take six months so that we get to the Australian open. It would be drastically unfair if a player in your situation at 225 in the world does not have the opportunity to play himself into a main draw of the Australian Open. You know, the, you know, the, the play yourself into the top 100 so you're guaranteed there. That's what I get really concerned about right now is the players who are automatic entry right now into the US Open, are they also going to be the ones who are just automatically entered into the Australian Open because somebody who's 175 only has two or three tournaments to play the rest of the year, whereas somebody who's 100 might have five or six? Or, or you know, how do, how do we make sure that somebody who's 200 in the world, 225, like you, how do we make sure that you have the opportunity to make yourself part of the field at the Australian Open? And I don't have the answer for that because the money that needs to be put in for all of the testing, the money that needs to be put in for the health and safety protocols. It's one thing at the US Open with the massive television contracts. You can kind of offset some of that loss there. 
How do you do that at the ITF level, at the challenger level, at the futures level for players who are trying to get into qualies at the Australian Open? I, I, I don't have an answer for that. And that is the big concern for me. Yeah, I mean, just to backpedal a little bit for, for people that maybe have missed a couple of our pods. So the U.S. Open couldn't change the actual rules of the tournament. So they decided to go without qualifying and to have Cincinnati and the U.S. Open as a bubble. In doing so, they are going to give, if the U.S. Open takes place, which it seems like it will, first round, quali first round qualifying money will be given to players that would have been mm -hmm. In qualifying. Right. So it's a good effort on that part. Yep. The second part was this idea that 100 players in the world or whatever, 120 players in the world are going to get points two weeks in a row plus while everybody outside is not. And they tried to offset that with challengers in Lake Nona and Orlando, as we already saw that got canceled. So we're seeing it already where and this really hasn't been spoken about, but we're seeing it already where the top of the game has the freedom and flexibility to put on events while us, you know, maybe we get a little cash here and there to keep us going, which is great, but we don't have the opportunity to push in the right direction. And that's kind of where the problems are lying. And, you know, yes, we did see the Asian swing get canceled, but if they want to try to put on a thousand somewhere else, like I wouldn't put it out of the question, you know, if they had some cash, and they could put it another time during the year and make it happen. It's possible. But are they really going to push carry to November? If There's just no money there. There is no money. Challengers are already losing money. How are you going to add on, I don't know, 5, 10 plus? Because you have to put in a little bit of a bubble and make sure you have extra transportation and testing yeah. and everything else. It just seems impossible. So then, you know, with tennis already being a very top-heavy sport, you stretch that to the max and then it's highlighted because then you have a hundred people. That's it. Those are only players getting points in both um, men's and women. So it gets really difficult and it's disappointing because we can only do so much. And then it's just like, well, they, you know, and the argument of any tennis is better than no tennis. Yeah. Tough, you know? Yeah, Agreed. I agree. Yeah. Agree. But, you know, and, and there's no way to play the U.S. Open without points. And there's no way to play the U.S. Open as a closed tournament because they would lose their contracts. Their broadcasting rights would have to be renegotiated. Yep. And, and I understand, but this, is, this goes back to the same of, you know, how geographically challenged tennis is as a sport. I've said it to you before, and I, I think I've talked about it on the podcast. I, I, yeah, I talked about it during the Dr. Katz podcast. I, mm -hmm. I, I think you should go to Europe. I mean, I if if I'm, if you know, all things being equal, I I tell you to go. To, if I'm your manager here, I say go to Europe. The likelihood of those events happening are much higher than ones in the U.S. right now, just because of how COVID here is still just a, you know, political thing for whatever reason. And in Europe, at least they take it seriously. You might not get all of the challenger events there. I don't know how that's going to work out for them. Right. But shit, yeah, man. And the, like I, I, the opportunities are going to be there more so than they are here, I'd guess. I'd guess. But then, yeah, you're guess, you I'm know, guessing. I'm guessing, right. all you can do. But you're, you're saying quarantine for two weeks, possibly in Canada, which is barely letting anybody in, or somewhere else that's a safe place, a safe haven. Um, and then you go from there, and we're already seeing like, you know, the Madrid saying yeah, right. it may not be possible. You're, you're having these tournaments, so you're saying maybe you spend, you know, five, $6,000 plus 
to quarantine and do all of this and then you don't have a tournament is that worth it is it worth it for those two of like you go into that and me as a person as a looking into my mental right. no chance that happens <laughs> no ch you you could barely pay me to go to quarantine yeah. and do this and do that and make and then possibly not have a tournament i mean that's i'm second guessing and now you're telling me it's on my own dime all right it's tough. I mean, it gets very difficult. So you're putting that in perspective and you're like, well, what is the next step? For right. us? You know, what do we do now? And I'm talking to a lot of players. I'm seeing them and they're going back to school. They're doing clinics. They're doing all of this. They're going back to kind of like, you know, what we kind of started out doing. And it's, uh, I don't know the next step. I really don't. I'm looking at it and everybody still talks about the US Open French and I get it, but that's the bare minimum. You know, what do we do after that? What, what's, what does three months after that look like? We can't have indoor tournaments can imagine having an indoor tournament right now in the u.s in the u.s yeah that's that's a key that's a key it is it's a key part of it i mean i i again i i'm you know going to the covid side like i look at what australia is doing they're they're having their second complete lockdown in in melbourne because of the fact that they've had you know what like 40 deaths or 50 deaths or something like that and it's they're gonna have the opportunity they're gonna have a chance to put on some events um, and they've done right. very well with the UTR events that they've had. They've done a right. great job with it. Um, and, and frankly, some of you know some of the UTR events here in the states, some of the ones down in Bradenton, obviously World Team Tennis. Some of those things have worked here in bubbles. Um, I just don't know how. I don't know how it works when players are going to be hopping around. Um, you know, right. like think, you have to make a league. Think about think about a, a cutoff for a challenger event. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it can float anywhere between, say, 250 and 400-ish, right? Sure. But how do you say to somebody who in Argentina who is 387 and finds out mm -hmm. on the Friday before that they got into the Orlando Challenger, how do you say, nope, right. you can't come? Right. How do you do that? Like, how, how, does, how is that remotely fair to, to that player or to you to go to Italy or what, I, I, how, how is, how is right. any of that fair? And I, and again, there's not an easy answer. No. I, I, again, I, I go back to something you said earlier, Noah, and it's frustrating the hell out of me. You know, can we, you, you said, do we shut down the season and just, you know, kind of rebuild? And I what did I say? Right? Like it's too late. No, we're, it's we're, too late. we're past that level. And I, 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 I firmly believe that we're past that. We're past it. My Where? God, we these regional regional events right now are the answer. Regional events are the only answer to make everything equitable. That's that's it. Outside of that, I think we're going to have at least another four to five months of inequity within the sport of tennis. I think that's just how it is, and I think people like you are going to be in a really difficult position because you're going to have to make some incredibly challenging, difficult choices financially, mentally, about how you can possibly play in some events along the way so you get some points so maybe you could get to Australia. I'm, I'm chilling here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chilling here. I, don't, I mean, yeah, no, it's tough. A couple questions for you. When do you think... Mm -hmm. And this is just, I guess this goes into world politics. When do you see tennis returning? 
The normal. Oh Jesus. I I, I need. I, I'm talking like we could play challenger after challenger. We have seri- the whole thing. When there's a when there's a vaccine or adequate treatment. Okay, and your guess is mid next year. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, yes, I do believe it's too late because not everybody's on their couch anymore yeah. kind of thing. I, but, you know, we still have time. I, in my head, I'm like, we. Ah. I, I, ah. I, like, we're already going to struggle. We're losing Oracle. We're, we're losing. We lose one sponsor for a 250. They're gone. We're losing all of this. Are we just going to deal with the cards we're dealt now? Like, we were already. Talk to your players' whoever, council president. I don't know who that is. Okay. Maybe your relationship yeah, hasn't been repaired sorry. yet. Um, maybe you get to maybe you get to go hang out. You know, maybe you can be part of his team at the the open if you don't happen to get the wild card. Cuz there's no way he's limited in how many people he can bring. No chance. <laughs> no chance. Novak says I'm bringing my dog. He's bringing his dogs dog. are fine. No, they don't contract COVID. Well, they contracted. They can't. It's not deadly. I don't know. I'm trying to learn from Jamie. Um, I I think the the big, the big issue here for us is yeah. I I, I do think, you. I think you're kind of screwed. I think that's good. I think some that's of good. the the that's people should definitely end it. <laughs> My forehand feels very. How does your forehand feel? Mine feels I was just, really good. I've been good picking recently. it a blister here for the last couple. I I just I'm cracking the forehand, man. I am hitting it. That's good. That's good. And the back end, like I'm getting it's it's feeling better. I've worked uh So it's one of two things though. Yeah. But it's one of two things. Okay. You either the back end improves yeah. or you get an insane shape and you just run around every back end. I mean well, you can do No, that. I'm way too fat and I drink too much for that. You know that. But the back end feels okay, better. Good. I'm working I've been working on getting that left arm through left. much better. Mm, there we go. Yeah. Good for you, Thank man. Thank you. Yeah. I, I could see in your eyes. There's a twinkle. Man. There's I, I was out there today oh, on, on the courts, you know, and uh, shirtless um, to the delight of many. Um, Houses went up for sale. <laughs> I, I tell you, man, that I, I just, I, I, it felt good. It felt good. And I, I think we should hit more often when you come to Tulsa uh, every couple of weeks since you don't have anything I mean, maybe else to the do. Pandemic, <laughs> maybe the pandemic actually allowed you to like, have some time so where I can get back and play and you can warm me up. Like uh, maybe this was the allotted time. I, I feel like I'm, You're that I'm close. close. <laughs> if, if, if we, if we got like right now, like again, okay. flip a switch and everything goes back to normal like today. Yep. And I spent yeah. like a month getting in shape. Why do you need a month to warm me up for a match? I'm talking about your hitting balls down the middle of the court. You give me lobs overhead, the whole, 15 20 minutes i know i need to, i well then i need i need you need i need like three what? weeks oh god three weeks i think three weeks is reasonable uh, yeah and then i i think i i think i could do it i think i could be functional you think you're getting a wild card or no yeah i mean i could get a wild card into you know a 4.0 event at some I don't have a UTR, so otherwise I can't use that. Um, let's go Cracked Rackets for a second. Uh, shout out to our, our boys, uh, Cracked Rackets. And we'll just we'll just do it like this, Noah. Uh, 31st Palermo Ladies Open. Who you got? Uh, 
The correct answer is the three seed Maria Sakkari. <laughs> it's going to come through that draw uh, pretty easily, I think. Um, okay. Good for Maria. Yeah, I have a behind the racket with her. So oh, yeah. Yeah. She, uh, she takes her fitness very seriously. And so, therefore, I'm putting all of my stock into that. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Next week, we're going to work on getting uh, the middle finger specialist from Great Britain, Liam Brody, on the podcast. Um, and hopefully some very positive news for Noah Rubin. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Okay. Talk to you then. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.